it's a it's an amazing um, ministry to uh, to go and to minister to people and use it as a tool to reach people for Christ. It's a very interesting. So thanks for coming and sharing with uh, with us on that. Uh, this morning, briefly, I heard somebody laugh. Briefly, I promise. This Briefly this morning, we are going to um, get into our final sermon on this series of Pleasing God. We're num- number five. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed this study on Pleasing God. Um, you know, learned a lot. You know, not, not so much as far as learning new information, but a lot of dots have been connected for me during this study. And uh, I hope it's been enjoyable for you as well as we've gone through it. But before we get into today's topic on the final thing, let's go through our review one more time. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, what we find out is that it is absolutely impossible to please God without faith. Outside of faith, God is not pleased with our behavior, our actions, our speech, and the things that we do, even our church attendance. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that's why it's very important for us to have a good and clear understanding of what a life of faith truly is. We unpack that a little bit. In light of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, as well as verse 1, in verse 6 it tells, But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have a definition of faith, which is in verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. The things that are hoped for. The things that are not seen, those are the reasons why we act in obedience to God. Now, the Christian life of faith is simply understanding that God is, He is our Creator, He exists, that He has spoken to us, and that we believe what He says is true, and we act accordingly. That's what the Christian life of faith truly is. It's believing that God is right, and then doing what He says, and then trusting Him completely for the results. Because God will call us to do some things that will cause us to have to rely on His abilities and not our own. And then then after that, we looked at the example of Noah and how this was actually played out in a very wicked and perverse uh, generation in which he he lived. In verse 7, it says, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, he moved with a godly fear and he prepared the ark. He believed in the things not seen, right? That was the judgment. God had spoken to him. He said, judgment is coming. The world will be flooded and everybody will die. If you want to save yourself and your family, build this boat. And because he believed God, because he believed that God was, and he believed what he said was true, and he believed the judgment of God was going to come, it says he moved with a godly fear and prepared that ark. And he also had the hope that his family would be saved. And he trusted God, he believed God, he acted in obedience to what the truth of the word of God came to him, and in fact, God came through with his promise. He and his family were saved. And he also came through with his promise that he would judge the world in righteousness. And also, the following week, we also found out, is that pleasing God, okay, there we go, the pleasing God is a choice. Now we choose to please God. And how do we do that? Because we understand that pleasing God is simply obedience to His Word. Pleasing God is simply obedience to His Word, and we have a choice to do that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 9, you know, Paul wrote, it says, Therefore we make it our aim 
to be well-pleasing. This is something that we choose to do. We have to actively pursue our desire to please God. And it's, a, it's, it's boiled down to a choice of whether or not we're going to obey or disobey. It's been under those two different choices. But not only have we been well-informed of our choices that we have, which is obedience or disobedience, but we found in Deuteronomy chapter 30 that we are well-informed of the results of either one of those. And the results of those, which is of, of obedience, is life, good, and blessings. The result of disobedience is death, evil, and curses. And having the understanding and believing what God tells us about the results, we choose whether or not we want to be obedient or we want to choose to be disobedient. We have an understanding that God, God will, um, will hold up to his side of the promises. When it comes to making that choice to obey God, you have to understand that you are free to make the choice whether you're going to be obedient or disobedient. But however, you are not free to decide what the consequences of those choices are going to be. But you are free to make the choice. And then last week what we learned is some reasons why we would choose to please God. Why would we do those things? You know, why would we choose to please God? One, we, we choose to please God out of the fear of the Lord. We do not want the judgment of God to come upon us. We have an understanding and we believe that it's true that God will chastise those whom he loves. In John chapter 15, we hear about how God will cut back and he will prune the, the branches that are connected to the vine in order that they will do what? Produce more fruit. To bring us back to a repentant heart, to trust and to continue to follow him, that we can produce more fruit from him. And we choose to be obedient to God. One, we just don't want to have to suffer or, uh, suffer or face the consequences of sinful behavior. And secondly, we looked at the rewards of God. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, as part of one of our key verses here, we see that it says that those who, um, those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you truly believe that a life of obedience carries God's rewards, you want to seek those rewards from God. And those are both really good reasons. You know, as we talked about last week, being obedient you know, because of fear of the Lord is good. I think being obedient because God will reward you is even better. Right? The, key, the key to it is it's just simply that we do right. We obey God. Either one of those is exercising faith because you believe what God says. But the best one we came across, we, we uh, choose to please God because we love him. God, we love him because he first loved us. His love was manifested in that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die in our place. That we may have our sins forgiveness and we have an eternal home with him. And out of that gratitude and love for him because he first loved us we should desire to please him above anything else and to put a smile on God's face regardless of the punishment regardless of rewards we just want to please him because we love him that's the best motive that we have but today what we're going to learn and I believe we've gotten down to the ground on this is that you cannot please God without faith but you cannot have faith if you do not know him so the, so the key to all of this, to pleasing God, from the very get-go, is that you can't please God without faith, but you can't have faith unless you truly know Him. You need to know Him if you want to please Him. So how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. And I will briefly check my watch here. 11 minutes. Do you think I can do it? Yeah, no, I see the doubt. 
All right, let's see, if, let's see if we can do this and unpack this. The first thing you need to do is you need to meet him, all right? Whenever it comes to knowing someone, there has to be an introduction, and you have to meet that person. I'm sure every one of you have experienced meeting someone and then developing a friendship with them. But the first step to that is actually meeting them and getting introduced. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, it says, How then, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? What he's saying is they can't hear about someone unless someone tells them about it. Unless they introduce him. And they can't, and, and, um, they can't believe on him if they have not heard of, heard of him. And they can't believe on him without a preacher. So going back to our understanding of what faith is, remember our faith is what? Is that we believe that God is real, we believe that he has spoken, and we believe what he says is true. It really boils down to whether or not we believe the word of God, correct? That's the grounding of a life of faith in Christ. Also, but it, I also want you to understand it is the grounding foundation of establishing a relationship with him and meeting him and getting to know him. Because verse 17, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it says, so then faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing of the word of God. So when the gospel of Jesus Christ comes to you and you learn and you hear the word of God, you believe the word of God and you put your faith in the one in whom God tells us to put our faith in, which is his son, Jesus Christ. We come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of the hearing of the word of God. And we exercise what we believe to be true by putting our trust and faith in our savior. So you have to meet him. But we have to hear from the Word of God. Now, what are the things that we need to hear? For some, of you who, for, for some of you who may not know Christ, this is for you, but some of you who need to preach the gospel, need to be that preacher, this is what people need to hear when it comes to the Word of God in order to meet Him, in order to come to Christ. This is what needs to be heard. Number one, they need to hear that they are sinners and they are guilty before an almighty, righteous judge. That people are sinners and they are in need of a Savior. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, I believe, is a very comprehensive description of every single one of our hearts. Whenever we go and we read this in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, just listen and see if you find yourself in any of this. It says, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all gone astray. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none that does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. That have, and their tongues have been used to deceit. The poison of asps or snakes is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and that the world may become guilty before God. How many of you were named in that short passage? Nobody? Yes. We, we all were. And the reason why we have the very law of God is what he's talking about here is this to expose our position before an almighty righteous God. The law is not there for us to be able to fulfill it wholly. We know that we can't. There's only one who's actually fulfilled the law, and that was in Jesus Christ. It is there to expose our place. It is to expose who we are in light of who Christ is. We are sinners, and we stand before an almighty judge guilty as charged. And if we're preaching the gospel, you must make sure you make this very, very clear that people are in need of a Savior because of their sin. 
People do not go to hell because they've not heard of Jesus. People go to hell because they are sinners. And they need to hear about Jesus. And they need to understand that they will stand before God guilty and he will judge them according to this book unless they reach out to the Savior. Now there's a, there's a songwriter. He is one of my favorite. Be careful if you Google this and listen to this song. Some of you may like it, some of you may not. But it's a, call, it's a song entitled, I'm Guilty. The message is clear. The message is an amazing, um, humbling um, expression of his confession of guilt before God. It actually takes place in the context of a courtroom where he's actually brought to, brought to, the, um, yeah, brought to the witness stand as someone being charged of, uh, of the murder of the very Son of God. And he gives his confession in the courtroom. And it goes like this. It says, I solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, now so help me God. What I testify and what I'm speaking of is an eyewitness account of an experience of a kind of love. I confess now to what I was. I was guilty of making the very Son of God now shed his blood. And I was guilty of the reason now why he was hung. And I'm guilty for every evil thing that I have done. I'm guilty for it all. I can't blame no one. I'm filthy with what caused the death of the Son. It kills me to think... I was the one who shed his blood. I still think of the way he died now and how it was. It fills me with pain inside. I feel like throwing up. I can't escape. I can't lie. I didn't make it up. I was the one who took the life of the Holy One. This is the first time I've confessed now to what I've done. I'm guilty. Yes, that's right. I did it. Right out in the open for all to see, and I never hit it. I got to admit it. They took the whip, ripped his back wide open, and split it. I heard him cry every time they pulled it back and hit it. I wondered why he was so silent now. I didn't get it. I watched him die while I cried. Now it is finished. Thought nobody would find out about the crime that I have committed. I tried to hide out. It's too late. That's right. I did this. It's my time now. My eyes have been a witness to my crime. Now I'm speechless and I'm defenseless. Nobody can find out. It's obvious that this is my final time. Now I've finally come to my senses. I climb down and take whatever I am sentenced I know where there is no way. Now I could have missed this. I open my eyes. Now I see him for who he is. This guilt is mine now. It's so obvious that I'm guilty. He says, I'm just another person. I'm just another man. I was the one that hurt him. I finally understand. Now I know that, I'm, now I know that for certain I caused the nails to land that left him dead and murdered, pierced in feet and hands. So now you've heard it. I testified and I took this stand. No other way I could word it. This is my confession, Anne. I never lied or perjured. I just told the best I can. I was the one that cursed him. I was the trigger man. The page is turning, and I've now just confessed to this. I didn't kill Christ, but it was just my sin that did. Now I've confessed to the crime. I don't deserve to live. I'm ready to do my time. All I can say is that I'm guilty. God, forgive me. I'm guilty. Very powerful, powerful confession. And we all stand before God guilty, responsible in the death of the Son of God because it was our sin that killed him on the cross, that he went to the cross willingly to die. We must understand that we do stand before God guilty. We are sinners. We are guilty of breaking his law. We need to understand that there is a judgment and a sentence to come because of our sin. The Bible is very clear that the wages of sin is death. It is an eternity separated from God for an eternity. And God is just in doing that. 
God is just in, in sending each and every one of us to hell because we deserve it. We have committed the crime, and we deserve the sentence. It's fair, and it is just. We all deserve that. We need to understand that if we stand before God guilty, one day we will have to face our judgment and take our sentence that we deserve outside of Christ. But the verse goes on and it continues to tell us that we have hope in Jesus Christ. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We have hope in Jesus. And once someone has an understanding of their sin, sinful nature, they have an understanding of their guilt before God. That's the time where they're going to realize and understand, look, I need help. That's when it's time to deliver them the cure. That's, what, that's the time to let them know, look, you have hope. Yes, you're in a desperate, um, um, uh, impossible, helpless situation on your own, but that's not the end of the story. That's only half of it. The cure for your problem, the cure for your disease is found in Jesus Christ. Yes, you are guilty, but Jesus took the punishment of your sin upon himself, willingly coming to the cross and being obedient to the Father, even unto death. And while he hung on the cross, God judged him and sentenced him to death in your place. Your fine has been paid. Your debt has been wiped clear. You have the ability to be right with me because of the work of my son, Jesus, as God lets us know. And if we're willing and able to, uh, to, to, uh, to come to that knowledge, when we're delivering the knowledge that we, have, or we are sinners and we are guilty before an almighty God, we understand that we deserve the punishment of being separated from God from eternity. And we see the hope that is found in Jesus Christ because he came and he did the work for us. He came and stood in our place, and my fine is paid. Therefore, I have, the, I have the possibility of actually going to heaven and having my sins forgiven because of the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. But once we are put, once we are brought to this place, we see in Romans chapter 10 and verse 10, it says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord over is rich to all who call upon him. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Something we need to understand and, and be, be clear. That the gospel of salvation, the grace that is being offered through his son Jesus Christ is for anyone and everyone. It is for anyone who will hear the gospel and obey the gospel. We have to understand that it is our job to get out and to preach this gospel to them. And we have to understand once we hear it, once we become accountable to who we are, we understand who Jesus Christ is, we are faced with a decision to make. Again, we have a choice. Are we going to receive the gift that is being offered? Are we going to receive the gift that Jesus Christ is offering us? Or are we going to reject it? If you receive it, you've made the choice to receive it. If you decide to do nothing, you've still made a choice to not accept the gift of Jesus Christ. The choice is up to us. But not only have we been um, fully informed of the choice of whether or not we can receive Christ as our personal Savior or reject the gospel, but we understand that the results of that, rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ, brings about eternal death and separation from God. Eternal death and separation from God. Listen to what 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us. It says, We are bound to thank God always for you. Brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for the patience and faith 
in your per persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence. You see that? See where we're getting here? It says that the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation to those who trouble you and to give you, um, to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we understand that the results of rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ and not obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ, we understand that in a flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God. We need to know God. If we want to please God, if we want to live a life by faith, it requires that we know Him. If we want to escape the judgment of God, the fiery vengeance that will come on this world one day, we have to know Him. And we come to know Him by understanding ourse ourselves as who we are, sinners who have broken the law of God in need of a Savior, and we reach out to Jesus Christ. And we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, and we are saved. We must obey the gospel if we want to inherit eternal life. But those of you who have already come to know Christ as your personal Savior, once you have met Him, it is our responsibility to get to know Him better. If you want to please Him, you need to get to know Him. Obedience requires that we know what He wants. Obedience requires that we have an understanding of what His Word says. Living a life by faith is simply obedience to what God's Word says and trusting Him for the results, but you're not going to know what to do if you don't spend time in His Word and gain His instruction. We have to be willing to do that. It requires us to spend time with Him. We must gain a knowledge of the Word of God in order to be well-pleasing to God, in order to exercise that knowledge in our behavior. And we'll, and we'll close with this. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9, it says us this. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent. So what is he saying here? He says that your love may abound still more in knowledge and in discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus, to the glory and the praise of the Father. To get to know Him. We need to spend our time with Him. We need to pray. We need to read. And we need to pray. And we need to read. Praying is excellent. We need to make sure that we pray. But it's also important that we shut up and listen. <laughs> right? We've got to spend time in His Word. We've got to spend time listening to what He says. And when, when you meet Him... You come to know Him. And when you, and the more time that you spend with Him, the more that you will know Him. And the more that you know Him, the more you will fear Him and seek His rewards, and the more you will love Him. And the more you love Him, the more you will choose to obey Him. And the more you choose to obey Him, the more you will be pleasing to Him. Colossians 1.9 tells us, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of of his will and in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every work that you do increasing in the knowledge of God meet with him and get to know him and eventually continue to please him through a life of faith let's pray
Father, we want to thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for your word. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us will be disciplined in what we do with our lives, the behavior that we show the world, the behavior that we live. Lord, may our lives be completely evident. May it be the substance of what your word tells us. Lord, may we see you for who you are. May we see your word for the truth that it is. Lord, may we have the courage in this world to live it out, a life of faith, when it truly pleases you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand for him and